Welcome to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. Our goal is to help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us. Now, let's join our team as we get to follow up, break down, and gain deeper insight into this week's message. Hey guys, welcome back to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I am Justin Oswald, the Executive Pastor of TC. Back with me today is our Lead Pastor, Brad Livingston. What's up, guys? Good to be back. Another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast, and uh, excited about the series and things that are rolling, and we're going to talk all about those good things here in just a minute. Yes. Um, but before we get into but first. anything, there is a, there's a, a legend at the table. There is. <laughs> <laughs> From, uh, I, I just got a chance to meet him uh but i'm gonna let justin introduce him because he and justin go back a good a good ways apparently a long time so this is the man the myth and the legend <laughs> <laughs> he is the the pastor of fair pass baptist church here in pensacola just celebrated or about to celebrate 16 years as Hi. the pastor him awesome. and him and his wife are there uh this is pastor ken cook uh, is is on our podcast with us today ken thanks for for being here means thank you a, for allowing me to be here me, justin it means a, a lot to me that you're here it's an honor. I'm going to tell you it's an honor. We, uh, Me and Ken go way back. Um, I was 17 when I first encountered Ken. Oof. And uh, I know 17-year-old Justin, just for the record. I knew him. So. <laughs> that was definitely an encounter. I'll tell you right now, it was an encounter. It was definitely one. So, um, you know, Ken, Ken has a different – the story Ken tells when he met me is not accurate. <laughs> But it's accurate to him. Out of the two people part. at this table, I feel like I'm going to lean this way about this story. So I'm going to just let Ken tell the story because it's funny. Do you really want me to tell I do, story? I do, because I know you love it. I know you love it. Well, I was working at Carpenter's Camper here in Pensacola. Love selling RVs. And uh, Justin said I seen the story wrong, but I sure still remember it. <laughs> this young boy come walking up to, to cement sidewalk there one day and he had a suit on that was it must have been his daddy's it wasn't his but it was, i remember it come along and it was long and he come in he said i want to get a sales job and i just laughed at him i said yeah i said so how old are you son and he told me and i said nobody's gonna hire you he said well who's who's in charge so i sent him into mr carpenter and he went into mr car i went in there and told him i said there's a young guy out there that's got an oversized suit and uh <laughs> He wants a sales job, and, and Mark said, well, send him in. This ought to be interesting. So I, we all had our last, especially yeah. me. And I'll tell you the truth, because I had years of sales experience, and sometimes as sales, we think we know it all. You know, we don't. <laughs> and he went in there, and he come back out, and he was just laughing. I said, what's wrong? He said, I got the job. <laughs> well, that was okay. I didn't mind that he got the job. Then Mark come up there, and he said, now, he said, he said you take him under your wing. I said, why me? He said, <laughs> he said, because you're the one described him to me, so I want you to train him. So, you know, I, I really I really thought I had a challenge, but I want to tell you something in all seriousness. Justin was a natural. He was easy to get along with. He was honest, and I'm not just saying it because I'm on this – podcast i'm saying it because he was honest and everything and uh the only other thing that i had a problem with him <laughs> i like to iron my clothes and shine my shoes and stuff and he come in there about a week later <laughs> now you told me to tell him. and i said son what happened to your shirt and he said what do you mean i said it looks like you slept on it or slept in it or something <laughs> and uh it was wrinkled and his shoes weren't shining of course he had on tennis shoes anyway but <laughs> And I, I, I'm, ex, I'm ex-military and everything, you know. So I said, uh, you need to go home and learn how to iron your shirt. And so he did. But when he come back, I don't think he ever used iron because the way he ironed his clothes, it just didn't – I don't think he ever turned the heat on to get the wrinkles. <laughs> but other than that, he was – I'm telling you what, he was a great salesman. I'm not just saying that. Uh, I trained many salesmen, and he was, he was eager to learn the product – he was very smart. He was very uh, professional with the customers when they came in. They liked him. And uh, I heard a lot of compliments on him after the customers left. And, and it wasn't so much that he knew all the product, but that he was professional. He, yeah. I've always told myself when I was a manager and everything, I said, you know, before you can sell your product, you need to sell yourself. Mm-hmm. If they don't like you, they're not going to buy anything. I don't right. care what your price is, and that's all the story. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> no, well, no. What was what was so great about 
that that period of time is like you know obviously you know and Brad Brad comes out of retail and been in sales and stuff. Right. Um, but you know, especially in, in our line with RVs is is quote unquote very similar to car. People think of car, right. and you know, right. there's that negative that negative stigma on on you know the used car salesman or whatever. That's right. Which is not always accurate. Sometimes it is, but not right. always. And that was one thing that I learned at, at that time. You know, as I was entering into this sales, you know the sales path as far as a career, I really liked it. I enjoyed it. And not just you, I mean, you were there, but there was Jerry Smith was, yeah. was an, was one of the older salesmen. Even our manager, Jim cook was a fantastic salesman right. and, and trainer. And, right. um, you know, Mark was there. He didn't do a whole lot of training probably for good reason, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, we, one thing that we, that I learned from, from that group of guys as a young kid trying to sell is like, especially from you was like, character counts you know just because we're selling we don't we don't lie to make a sale you right. know we don't mislead character counts you, you know you talked about because you've been in the the sales the car business for yeah. your whole career yeah uh, other than the military i, yeah. I guess and yeah. you know word of mouth and it's not a very big town and you start treating people bad it gets around that word know? of mouth that word we, of mouth is we big. dealt with some salesmen <laughs> you and i did that we knew <laughs> we were did. bad news and they weren't trainable not for me anyway no. And, you know, Ken would try to run them guys off. Like he played <laughs> pranks on them. <laughs> listen, I ain't saying it's the truth. Oh, no, you're not going to yeah. tell me. <laughs> so, so Ken, in his younger days, when he well, this was seven, I was 17, so I'm 34 now. How many years ago is that? I'm almost, <laughs> right. I'm almost yeah. 70, so. Yes, you know, but uh, Ken, liked the, Ken liked a good prank, you know. <laughs> but we had this uh, we had this salesman there, and I think Ken called him squirrely. It was, he was horrible. He was, he, was, he, was, he was very squirrely. He was always trying to had a little angle. And um, it was his first month there, you know, and then they he was, he'd been wanting business cards. He hadn't had business cards yet. You know, all the customers, you want to give a card out. <laughs> right. Well, they finally ordered him some cards, a big box of a 1,000. <laughs> well, they came in on his off day. So they were sitting on his desk. Well, Ken come walking by his desk, sees his cards there. Well, Ken always had a good thing of super glue in his pocket. Always. <laughs> super glue. He super glued the edge of that box all the way around <laughs> where you couldn't get it. You could not get in there. And, man, when, when uh, I think the guy's name was Scott, when he come back in the next day, Scott, that's who he was hot. <laughs> and it was funny. You don't think he'll sue us when he hears this? Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, no. And one time Ken super glued his phone to the, to the, the handset to the base <laughs> and then had the receptionist paid her five dollars to page him for a phone call so he can run it in there to grab the phone and the whole, the whole system <laughs> oh, man. we had a good time ken would uh he liked to super glue quarters to the sidewalk oh boy people they go crazy they'd look around and i'd go out there and super glue about four quarters to the sidewalk and it was so funny how people would do it they'd see the money laying there and they wouldn't just reach down and get it. They'd do this. They'd go look around. <laughs> like it's like a hundred dollar bill or something. Like a sneaky thing, you know. <laughs> and then they'd reach down when they'd grab it and they'd go, and they couldn't do it. And I had one man literally go out to his car and get his screwdriver <laughs> and pry it up the four quarters. And I told him, I said, sir, I'll give you four quarters. Right, 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 leave right. my four quarters alone. Well, yeah. And what was funny is these are the same people that, you know, just spent one hundred fifty thousand dollars cash right. on a, a motorhome, trying to pry up. <laughs> That's a how they can afford that motorhome. Right. All the quarters they pick so up. Right. We had a we had a good time back then. Really, it, did. it was several years of a good time. You know, yes, you know from was. sales. Oh yeah. There would be days and periods where we'd go two, three hours sometimes, and nothing going on, and nothing. just yeah. stand around talking and yeah. learning about life. And what was what was the what was like the, the did you guys have a regular slow day? Like it was like every Thursday, nobody was coming in or anything. Generally, like that. Wednesday was fairly slow. Yeah. Several guys took off on Wednesday. That's when our yeah. manager took off. That was a slower day. Monday yeah. sometimes was busier because the people that were there on the weekends would you know, follow up Monday. and yeah. all that. And um, you know, Saturday was a busy day, which I hated yeah. working Saturday anyways. But um, but but yeah, Wednesday could be slow. It just depends time okay. of year. Yeah, you know. And then we were there till six p.m. Even when it gets dark at five, they still wanted <laughs> us there at six. <laughs> People are buying motorhomes at five thirty in the dark, huh? Yeah, I don't know what to do. We just had to stand. I, I had a little trick that uh, we had a fence between oh, the RV oh, store yeah. this is good. down there halfway. <laughs> and on Saturdays, I'm like Justin. I wanted to get out of there, and mm -hmm. people just come in and they just take right. their time. I said, "Man, it's almost time to get on." And Justin said, "What do we do?" I said, "Watch Justin learn." And I'd go down there and I'd see where the people were on the other side of that fence. 
And I'd open up my phone. I said, go ahead and turn out the German Shepherds. There's nobody down here. And people start running out of there. And Justin said, what'd you say? I said, just turn the German Shepherds loose. And boy, it worked every Saturday. You know, and, and, you know, we all, there was only six sales guys, but we yeah. all learned little, you know, if you get a late customer, especially if it's just someone that you know is not really buying anything. Right. Yeah. And it's it's 5.30 on a Friday evening. We oh, close man. at 6. They're not buying anything. But you got you, you got a salesman stuck with them that's kind of showing them around. Because we've already locked up everything. So now yeah. you get someone's got to be there to unlock. Yeah. So one of us would always get on the golf cart and go down there and say, hey, they about to let the dogs out. We might need to wrap it up. You know? hey, look around. Make sure they're not coming up. They are vicious. I'm done. <laughs> I remember Ken got bit one time by somebody brought their dog to look at motorhomes with them. <laughs> they said our dog never bit anybody. I said that's history; it's been changed. He bit me. <laughs> yeah, we had a good time. Yeah, yeah we, did. we had a good time. I, I could imagine. It was fun. I learned a lot from Ken. You know. Yeah. Well, Justin, in all truth, I learned a lot from you, son. Oh, because, stop. and uh, <laughs> I mean that because you know. I trained a lot of salesmen. It was a pleasure training you because there wasn't much training to it. You were a natural. All you had to do is just learn your product line, you know, and you had it. And uh, and once you learned that you have to sell yourself before you sell your product, and that's that's mm-hmm. where it's been all my life, you know. Yeah. And, and what was very cool is, you know, before Ken was in full-time ministry, I knew, I mean, he talked about God, you know, him and his wife were members of a church up in toward the north Ray's end of the Chapel, county, yeah. Ray's Chapel up there in uh, – I don't know, North of Molino. Right. <clears throat> but, I was going to um, say, Ray's Chapel was a good drive. That's way yeah, out there. It was there. a good drive. Boji, ain't it? It's in yeah. Boji. Boji. But uh, anyhow, you know, he would talk about God and all this thing. Now, I, I grew up Catholic, you know, as, as you know. Yep. Um, and I think I fell into the trap of what so many people fall into is like, I knew who God was, so I considered myself a believer. But I really, you know, I didn't really know. Yeah. I, I didn't have a relationship. You, be, with Jesus you believed or, in the deity existence, but not so much. Right. I didn't have like right. a personal relationship with Jesus, even though back then I probably would have thought I did. Right. Whatever and I, I knew would. that. And I knew that yeah. when I talked to you seriously. Of course. Me and Jerry Smith both knew that, that you you knew him. Yeah. That's all. You uh, knew I mean, him. You, you really knew of him. But I, him. I remember you would talk about church a lot and you would <laughs> talk about God. And I even... You, you, they invited you to preach at Ray's Chapel one time, mm-hmm. and I came out to that. I came out on that Sunday, and then uh, I don't know what the time frame is. At some point, you ended up going over to Ferry Pass and then right. um, becoming full full time. But um, I spent so you know I, I was I was baptized. I let Ken baptized me at their church. I felt that was important, even though I didn't go to his church. I went to another little little church, but um, Ken baptized me. So um, I've spoken mm-hmm. his church a couple times, yeah. once or twice. And probably, hope to have you pre- again. Pre- preached uh, in there for him. And um, great church, great people. They put up with you for 16 years, so that's a strong, <laughs> strong group of people. But uh, but I just remember, even in the mis- you know, even in a work environment, though, because we had some some free time and some liberty, you know, there was there were conversations and all those things. I'm, I'm saying all that to say is, you know, the seeds plant. You know, sometimes yeah, no doubt. sometimes you're the planter and someone else comes along and, and waters, and somebody else comes along and sees the harvest. But I just remember seeds being planted. I mean. Even when you know I was a mason, and you and Jerry Smith would talk to me about that kind well, of. Well, do stuff. you remember that I hold a class on Thursday morning? On Thursday morning, and we'd talk about God. Mark Carpenter would come. Did I, I didn't never come? Did I? I don't think you did. I don't think I got up that early. I was young. <laughs> no, not when he was seventeen. It was <laughs> before. It was before we had to be at work, and I think you didn't come. Yeah, yeah no. You was ironing your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is the. This is it's. I don't remember this till you said it. Is the iron that I still have? I bought because you said you need a new iron. Whatever you're doing is it working? <laughs> I told him when he said he was iron shirt. I said you got to turn it on to get some heat. <laughs> right, right. He right. said I did iron my shirt because I like my shirt. Can, can, can like a crease and yeah. so I. You I, need to put some water in that thing. Okay. Yeah, something, something wrong some, with it. Some there, starch, yeah. you know. But yeah. uh, Ken said so. I bought. He said you need to get a good iron with that stainless steel bottom. They get real hot, you know. Mm-hmm. So I did. I still got it. And don't just set it on there. You got to move it around. <laughs> and my oh. wife, and my wife just loves uh, Justin. We've had him over at our house several times, and I never forget one night. I have to tell this too. One night, uh, Jerry Smith's dead and gone. I'm not talking bad about him, but oh, I Jerry was tight as tight could be. I mean, tight. <laughs> he was single. And one night, my car was broke down. And of course, I live long ways out. And, I asked Jerry, I said, Jerry, would you give me a ride home? He said, do I have to? He said, man, you can't get nobody else. I said, well, and I asked Justin. Justin gave me a ride home. Well, the whole time, my wife had planned a great supper 
for whoever brought me on. Okay. And so when Justin got there, she said, well, Justin, sit down and eat with us. We just had a great supper. <laughs> and uh, we got back the next morning, and Justin said, man, you should have went. said, Miss Cook cooked a great supper. And he said, why didn't you tell me your wife was going to cook? I would have took you home. <laughs> so, <laughs> Justin got on that situation. She's a, loved he, him he ever a, since. He was a tightwad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Mm. Sheep, sheep. He died last year. Yeah. But uh, and he was a fine Christian. <clears throat> he was. Yeah. Well, anyways, all that to say, um, I learned a lot, and and now my journey into into ministry and all that, and I still I don't, I don't see Ken as much as I probably would would like to, no. but uh, we try to talk every so often. Yeah. So I said, let me have Ken come on, be on our podcast. You know, we're in this relationship series, mm-hmm. and um, you know, one thing that made me think of having you on, and we were telling you this before, is I always just remember how you spoke about your wife, you know, and, and it was almost like you were newlyweds, you know, been married. I don't know how long, but every you, day, you, you know, you just spoke, you, how you speak about her, your wife. And then now as a, as a pastor, but as, as, as a Christian and you weren't always a Christian. Right. So, no. um, and, and if I'm not mistaken, you were married probably before you yeah. truly had a relationship with God. And, you know, there's just, there, there surely there was a change there. You know, and then, um, so I said, let's have Ken on. He can give us some insight to these two young guys as someone who's a few years ahead of us and done it before us. You know, you're married. I'm not married yet. He's married. Um, so yeah, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Let's walk in. Let's walk through this. So the the, the message uh, title this Sunday was, are you that somebody? Yeah. Are you that somebody? And, uh, you know, we, we started off by, um, we started off. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah seventeen nine, it's just like this, just an opening passage to uh, to expose really kind of one of the big lies behind um, what kind of can often drive our relationships, right? And it's like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna follow my heart. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like we try to teach people all the time. It's like, don't whatever you do, don't follow your heart. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, Jeremiah seventeen nine, right? He says that the heart is like the most deceitful. It's it's desperately wicked, uh, wicked right? It's it's um, and that w- like when we give into our heart, what we actually need to do is be more aware of the heart that the Lord is trying to give us as right, we follow exactly. Him, right? And so, um. As he renews our minds, he he also does that in our heart, our desires. And so what we kind of came out of the gate with was talking about how our heart has to change um, and that going after the desires of your heart is usually not the best thing for you. What you kind of need to do is, is actually uh, start praying and focusing on who you need to become versus who you think you need in your life. You're so right. Um, and, and so, uh, we kind of talked about this idea of fishing now, now for you guys that are listening and watching, you can go listen to the sermon to get the full thing, what we were talking about. But one of the analogies that we use is how, um, that when you're fishing, what happens is you, you, whenever you go particularly deep sea fishing, you go to where the fish are. First of all, you don't just throw a line in the water and just hope that something happens. Right. Somebody knows what they're doing. They've, they've got their spots and they take you to their spots. And then once they get there, what can happen? Because you don't, oftentimes when you're deep sea fishing, there's no land around you. You know, like all you can see is water in every direction. Right. And I'm sure you've been fishing a I couple have times. Several times. <laughs> so the, all you can see is water all around you. So because you can't see land, what'll happen is as you start to, once you get to where the fish are, if you don't have anything holding you still, you won't realize it, but you'll drift away from where you were exactly. supposed to be. That's right. And so what we talked about on Sunday is that what you have to do when you're fishing like that is you actually have to drop an anchor down that'll hold you in the right spot. And you may circle around because of that anchor line, but essentially you're going to stay in that spot that you're supposed to be in. Um, And what we talked about on Sunday is this idea that um, so many times, particularly as as culture and society progresses and we have social media now and Facebook and Instagram and all these things and, and even television and Netflix and movies. And we have all of these things telling us what relationships are supposed to look like. Um, and we're anchoring ourselves If we're, if we're anchoring ourselves to culture and society to know what healthy relationships look like, that's a moving scale that yeah. constantly progresses into a more and more evil nature. 
Whereas if we can anchor ourselves to to the Bible and what God says our relationships are supposed to look like and what we're supposed to look like, that's an unchanging, no matter what the current does, trying to move you away from where you're supposed to be when you're anchored to the Lord, it's it's immovable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So um, we stay in a healthy spot. Um, and that's kind of how we kicked off Sunday was talking about that. And man, we see that more and more with, with younger, younger couples and, you know, quick to get, quick to get married and quick to be willing to throw in the towel, you know, while, and, and for divorce, if mm-hmm. things are going right. And you said it, I don't know if it was one of the messages or if we said it on a podcast recently, but it's like sometimes now with these young kids, we see that they, they're, they're, they're not necessarily interested in marriage. They're more interested in, in Weddings. the wedding. Right. They're in know, love the, with the idea of a the, wedding, the, but not the idea of marriage. Yeah. It's like, right. which is just crazy to me, mm-hmm. you know, um, that, that it, it's it because, but it's a, it's a, it's a social media culture. They want the wedding. They get the pictures, and it looks fabulous. And little Mister Prince and Princess, and this fairy tale love story. And then, you know, the minute there's trouble, though, that one of them's throwing in the towel and calling it quits, and on to the next one. So, yeah, yeah. That ain't how it's supposed to be. Yeah, you know, Justin, I've uh, I've done several weddings, and you're right. It's the fairy tale story that happens. In thousands of dollars are being spent for the moment, you know, and. Uh, Nobody needs to be fooled. Marriage has to be worked at. Mm. And the secret to a good marriage, first is God. First have God in your life. I always say there's an ever-changing world, but a never-changing God. Yeah. Mm. And if you find uh, God, before I marry somebody, I always counsel with them. And if they don't want to be counseled with, I don't marry them because I want to know what are their goals, not just the fact of a wedding day, but what are you expecting through the marriage? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I tell you, you've got to communicate, you know, husbands are bad and I'm just going to speak freely. I mean, I'm almost 70 years old and I have been down the road, Justin, as far as knowing things about life, husbands, as a counselor, I talk to people, husbands are bad to go home and say, I had a bad day when my supper cook, blah, blah, blah. But they forget to go home and say, what happened to you today? How was your day? Mm-hmm. And that's a problem with the world today. We're not concerned with each other like we should be, just like what we're doing right here. Yeah. We're doing this out of concern so somebody will watch this and learn something. That's right. It's not the fact that you just read the Bible, that you read the Bible and study the Bible. Because when you study, you inherit what God's trying to give you. And so many people... Uh, they go into these marriages thinking it's just going to be a Cinderella marriage. It's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I love my wife dearly. I mean, I, I, I'm not just saying I would die for my wife right now. I love her that much. And to me, every day, she looks more beautiful than ever. And you've seen her. She's a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. And she's very well kept. She's very polite. Uh, she's a wonderful, wonderful wife, and I say that to anybody. And there's a love between us. She is a fabulous pastor's wife. And I would say that pastors that don't have a good wife, mm. they suffer. Mm. I can tell you. That's the truth. And uh, I have a, a wonderful wife as, as, a, as just a wife and as a pastor's wife. But it, it's never anything that's going to come easy. You're going to have to work hard. you know. And uh, you have to be sure when you find the right person. Here's the thing that I've seen happen a lot of times. When they're dating, you go over to their house and – and, and you go over to the house, you see them at their best. You see them at their best, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you get married, and one morning you wake up, and you said, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never seen that side of you. Uh, yeah, right, right. You know, and you, you think, but it's, it's all part of it. And the thing about it, when they're sick, you got to be there. When you're sick, they got to be there. And it's something that you've got to share all the time. And there's going to be heartaches. There's going to be heartaches. And luckily, my wife and I have a lot in common. You know, we, we don't have a problem. But I've seen people that, oh, my goodness, they get married and they, they just realize it wasn't the right thing. And like you said, just throw in the towel. No work mm-hmm. at all. No, I'm just, I'm done. You know, and these lawyers, you know, you can go out here on street corners where they got benches to catch a bus, and it tells you where there's a lawyer, you can get a quick divorce and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's too much encouragement out here. Right. Instead of, you know, let me tell you about a church you can go to to help you sure. to keep your marriage. 
Yeah. Well, and I think that that's so important. One of the things my, my dad told me, uh, who he's been a pastor my whole life, you know, uh, he, he went with a couple to the courthouse not too long ago, probably about two years ago for them to get married. And the, and the paperwork that they handed them, it was two pages on how to get married and 10 pages on how to get divorced. (laughs) (laughs) And and they had more details and how to get divorced than they did on how to stay married, more resources, more information, more, you know, all those things. So you're right. You know, I think one of the big problems we're going to be getting into this coming up Sunday, um, is the fact that a lot of times we, we go into marriage to fix us. We think we think that saying I do is going to bring some resolve, and all it does is magnify the problems that are in us. That's right. <laughs> um, I said it last week when we when I was preaching. Uh, you know, one of the things that's important to understand about marriage is God gives us somebody who they the things that they have that bug us. All it does it's not a problem with them. It identifies the sin in us. Exactly. So my des- my anger problem is just highlighted when my wife does something frustrating. Right, right. <laughs> my desire for control, right. right? My my unwillingness to surrender is highlighted when my wife does something that bugs me. That's not her problem. That's my problem. That's right. That's God trying to sanctify me and change me. Not it's not there for me to try to fix her. That's right. But so many times in marriage, we think that's the case, and since we can't fix them, then we might as well quit because it's never going to work. And it's like actually. God put that there to fix me, not to fix, not to, to fix, fix her. her. Don't go into marriage thinking you're going to change somebody. That's it. Because God needs to change you, That's change it. your heart to fit in together. Because I'm, I'm telling you, from years of marriage, everything is not going to work out perfect. Every day is a new day. There's sicknesses. Uh, there's there's different things going on, you know, and we have to make decisions. And my wife's retired and. And she enjoys being home now, and she's a lot of help to me in the ministry, as I said. But, you know, people just got this idea. And you know what's really sad about the backlash of this? People are not getting married now because they just live together. Mm-hmm. They think there's such a, a heartache in being married. Oh, I don't, that's just, you know, like a guy told me a while back, he said, that's just a piece of paper. It's more than a piece of paper. Yeah, It's honoring God because when God made man, he made one man mm-hmm. that was good for man. And in and, and my situation, it's been good, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it, it, it you have to work at it. That's all there yeah. is to it, you know. Well, I, I heard a pastor say, uh, you know, if all it is to you is a piece of paper, then you'll throw your relationship away the, th- the same way you'll throw away that piece of paper. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and it's like there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. But yeah. And and even like to you though, talking about your wife and y'all been together, you know, this long and you have a lot in common and, and I've seen you guys, you, you enjoy being around each other. Y'all go to movies and you go Mm -hmm. out to, you know, so you, you enjoy each other, but you know, it's taken years of work to get to that. And, and, and you don't never arrive. You still have to work at it. That's exactly. It's it's ongoing. Mm -hmm. There's a lot people can learn from that. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we, one of the things we talked about is, so what we started doing pastors, we started to, on Sunday, we, we identified a few statements that were true, um, and how to know when you're ready for someone to be able to come into your life. So essentially we're kind of talking to people who are either early in the dating relationship that are going, "Mm, maybe something that seems off here or people that just aren't in a relationship yet but maybe they're they want to be in a relationship they want to start dating someone they want to find the person they're going to marry and trying to help them identify when they might be ready to do that and identify some of the things in them that god may still be trying to work out before they say yes to somebody right and so some of the one of the things that we pointed out um is the first thing that has to happen for you to be ready for somebody else um, is that you can't be insecure about your identity Right. Um, you, you can't be consumed with, the, with not knowing who you are. And then because you don't know who you are, you become insecure exactly. about anything that you, yeah. that this person could say to you. Right. One of the things I see in relationships all the time, uh, and I'm sure you've seen plenty of times, um, is because somebody doesn't know who they are when they end up in a relationship, anything that person says that's not even mean or meant to tear down, they take it so personal. Mm-hmm. They, uh, and, and they can't hear helpful encouragement because it sounds to them like some, they're being torn down. Their identity is just sh- shaken or it's never been established. Right. Is that something you've seen often? Yes. And, 
And you know, and I'm just going to, and this is plain, plain what I'm going to say. The first thing that I tell people before you take on anything, where it be a relationship or anything, I say it three times, pray, pray, <laughs> pray. Mm-hmm. And along the way, when you're praying, pray for God to show you, pray for him to show you who you are supposed to be having a relationship with. And so, so many times, and I've seen this, uh, somebody would be saved, and they'll be dating somebody that's not saved. Mm. And they'll say, what about that? Is that right for me to marry them because they're not saved? I'm not going to say that it's wrong, but it's going to put a lot of stress on you because you may be working now because it looks so sweet while you're dating. But when you marry, yes, it will put a strain on you. Mm -hmm. I've seen people go home, and, and, and a lot of times, more than anything, I see more women going to church than men, you know. Sure. And the women that go home and and the, and the husbands uh, uh, fuss and fight because, you know, uh, uh, you know, why are you going to church and why this and that, you know. And you're right. Before you get married or even have a relationship, you need to know who you are. Mm-hmm. You need to be secure. You know, Justin, when you was at the dealership, you know, I, I never tried to fool you, you know. I knew that you weren't saved. I knew it. Right. And when I talked to you, I didn't talk to you jokingly because when we talk about God and Jesus Christ, our Savior, who died on the cross, we need to be serious. And for my generation that's going to pass away, I mean, you could, you know, you could go quicker than me, but in just saying everyday life for my generation is going to be gone one day, I'm going to have to leave it with Mm y'all to get ready for the next generation. Right. And if I don't take the time to try to communicate and explain to you, just because I'm almost 70 don't mean that I'm crazy. I'm serious. I mean, we have a generation that loved and still loves God, and I have to know that you know who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the very night that you got baptized. You know, I knew. I knew when I helped with your ordination. I knew that you were who you said you were and who you still are, you know. And mm-hmm. so we just have to. Be sure. Well, and then I, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day. We were talking about um, talking about young people with even social media. And we have this conversation all the time where, you know, they post a post a picture, and if it doesn't get enough likes, they'll remove it. And it's like, you know, at, social media in and of itself isn't a bad thing, but if your identity is in that, right? Like we, we have to know that our my right. identity is in Christ. My identity isn't that, you know, I am – back in the day I'm a salesman or uh, I'm a pastor now like it's not the, what you the, do right like uh, my identity is in Christ not exactly. in what I do exactly. or how many likes I can get on a picture on that's social right. media yeah, right. or how many people watch our you know live on Facebook on our podcast like that's not where our identity is that's right but if, if you're insecure in that and then you try to go into, into a relationship yeah like that's just and, and you know you, you made a, a statement right the problem is many of us don't love who God made us because we're more in love with who God made somebody else. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Like, that's yeah. powerful. Yeah. We're, we're, we're measuring ourselves up against people. We're measuring ourselves up against the, the version of people that they show us, not even the real version that they actually are. Right. Right. I mean, as a pastor, uh, I realize that I don't have a smartphone. I still have a flip top phone <laughs> and I couldn't tell you how to text. I get texts all the time, but you know what? You may get smartphones and you may do it, but you can never change Christ in my heart. That's right. He's the same. He's not a smart Christ. He's a <laughs> right. all the time Christ. <laughs> yeah, right. And he's there with me. And to the day I die, I'll always know for sure that I know that I know that I love Jesus Christ and that right. he saved me July the 5th, 1989. And uh, when he saved me, I knew it. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't have any doubt. When I went up the altar, I told the preacher, "I said, don't touch me." I said, "I know why I'm up here," and I totally surrendered. I come up there as a man, and I went down on my knees, and I said, "Lord, I know you know who I was, and I know you know who I should be." Mm. Never knowing that one day that I would be a minister, That's never awesome. knowing it, and. Uh, and ever since then, I have no doubts. Even when you called me to come on here today, I wasn't nervous because you know why, Justin? I don't have to come on here and lie. I don't have to come on here and pretend. Mm-hmm. I don't have to come on here and make 
whoever's watching me be impressed by who I am. No. The fact of who I am is I love Jesus Christ. That's right. Yeah. And that's the bottom line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom yeah. line. When it goes no back one's to, impressed with us. Right. And it goes back <laughs> to something you said earlier, Pastor, is that, uh, you know, we need to be in our Bibles. Yeah. Because our Bible is where we find out right. what it, what our, our, the Bible is where we find our identity in Christ. So who, what, it, what is it that Jesus says, who is it that Jesus says we are? Well, it says that we're the head, not the tail, right? He, he says that we were made in the image of God in Genesis. He said, so, um, so the, the likeness and the nature of God, when we become made new, now we get to stay. So what is the, what does that character look like? Well, we learn that in the Bible. So if we're not reading the Bible, we don't know who we are. That's right. That's right. So and know the truth and it will set you free. Come yeah. on. And it will set you free. Yeah. And, and, and even something you said, and we're, it'll, I think it'll make us skip a point, but I th- we're already here. So I think it's worth mentioning. You were talking about people who, um, you know, some of the terms we would hear is like unequally yoked and some of those things, right? When, when someone's, uh, is saved and loves the Lord and they're with someone that's not, um, and, you know, one of the things, uh, and we talked about the limitations for living, right? What, what, one of the ways we know we're ready to be with somebody is that we're, we've embraced God's limitations for living for us. And we went back to the passage in Genesis where he said, you can eat of every tree in the garden, just not this one. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And he creates a limitation. He says, you can do all these things. You just don't do this. That's right. And so many times as, uh, as believers, especially as young believers, I'm young, not necessarily being age, but time that they've been saved. Um, as, as believers, we go, well, God, how come, you know, I, I, how come you're going to limit me? How come you're going to put these limitations in? And But then he does that. And going back to what you were talking about with relationships where one person saved and one person isn't, you know, one of the, the enemy's strategic plan in the garden was he didn't go after the one God talked to. He went after the one <laughs> that that person loved. That's right. Right. So uh, the enemy didn't come to the, to the man that God said, you can eat of every tree in the garden, just not this one. Yeah. He went after the woman that that man loved and he he went through their relationship to bring sin into the world and it's so many times that i feel like that uh, the enemy's one of the enemy's greatest strategic moves is that if you're strong in your faith he won't come right after you but if you fall for someone who's weak in their faith he'll come through them to Mm. get to you right he'll cause you to fall through this person that you're with uh, and so we we wreck the limitations that God's created for us because we're pursuing someone that's not good for us. And you know, whenever God came back into the garden and he had to look for Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. when he found Adam and he explained to him what happened, the first thing he did, he blamed it on Eve. <laughs> that woman you gave me. That's right. That woman you gave me. <laughs> that's right. And uh, like it was supposed to, you know, God said it was a good thing. Right. But it's not the fact that she was a bad thing. It was what she'd done was bad. She weakened. Right. And him... He should have stayed strong and said, no, we're not to take a bite of that. He could have stopped that. But this is what happens a lot of times when people get married and they're not really, well, I know of it. I'm not going to bring it up, but I married somebody here a while back and fine Christian girl. She married a guy. He likes to go to the bars and, and all this. And I talked to her a while back and run into her. And she said, I try to stay with him so we don't end up in a divorce. And so she's quit going to church. They go out mm-hmm. drinking, and her whole life has changed. And her parents are very disappointed in her. And and she said, "What do I do?" I said, "Well, you keep praying for one thing. You pray yeah. that one day he'll change." And I said, "You just tell him that you love him enough, and you're going to keep praying for him." I said, "I didn't say it wouldn't be hard, but these are things we should look for before we get married. Just like right. Justin, I I tell you, there's a woman out there looking for you. I'm not joking. There is, and you're looking for her." But the thing about it is, are you going to be right when you find each other? Are you Mm -hmm. just going to, are you just going to say, Hey, well, I found one. She's pretty, she's nice. She's got plenty of money, blah, blah, blah. Are you going to say, (laughs) I like that. I like like that that last one. one. Well, that's a good one, you know, and that's a good one. But let me give you a little secret. That won't get you through. Uh, Spend all your money one day. But (laughs) when you join Christ like together, you'll never get over that. You'll live, you'll live right, you know, and I'm telling you, I've been down there. I'm going to say one thing. Maybe I shouldn't say on this Go thing. Ahead. I'm going to say I was a homeless person one time for a year. I don't know if I ever told you, Justin. I don't know. I was a homeless person. And what happened is uh, 
And it was years and years. Well, after I got a divorce, I come home one night from work. I was working 3 to 12 at a shipyard. And when I walked in my house, everything in my house was gone, and my wife and kids. And my neighbor walked in. It was about 1 o'clock in the morning because I got off at 12. And he, he came over, and he said, well, I knew it was going to happen. I said, what? He said, your wife's been going out on you for a year. And it's been with a truck driver, and he backed this 18-wheeler up here and loaded up everything and took your family. Well, it, it tore me up so bad that night. I took my Army duffel bag, and I loaded it with clothes. I had $200 to my name, and I just left. Mm. Left my house. And, of course, I, that's been years and years ago. That's been over 45 years ago. But And I went out, and for a year, I was just nobody. I wasn't saved. I ended up places where at night I would wonder if I was going to stay warm. Uh, I asked people for food, and uh, I, I just didn't know where my life was going. But uh, I had a I had a rough time for a year, and when I got to the end, uh, I was in Orange, Texas, and uh, I was starving. I'm, I'm telling you the truth, I was starving, and I went down the road. It was dust dark. I'll never forget it. And this old motel was closed. And I just went to the door. It said office, and I knocked on the door. And a uh, little woman comes. She couldn't have been over five foot tall. She answered the door. She said, can I help you? I said, ma'am, I'm starving. Fine Christian woman. She said, come in, and I'll feed you. I went in. Makes me want to almost cry. Think about it. Seriously, uh, she started opening these Campbell's soup cans for me. I said, ma'am, you don't even have to warm them. Just pour them in a plate, and I'll eat them. And I eat them. She gave me a glass of milk. And she said, honey, are you all right? I said, no, ma'am, I'm not all right. I said, I've been hungry. I don't have nowhere to stay. I'm tired of sleeping in the woods. I'm tired of being beat up by people. Mm. Uh, I went to a restaurant one night, and I'll never forget it, uh, in Texas. And the young boy come out, and he had a pizza. There was a half of it left. And he was fixing to throw it in a dumpster. And I said, son, can I eat that pizza? And he said, well, sir, somebody's already been eating on it. I said, you don't know. I'm starving. And I eat that pizza. And he, that young boy, instead of going in and making fun of me, he come back out with a Coke. Hmm. He said, I want you to have this Coke hmm. to go with this pizza. Well, anyway, the, the young lady, she wasn't so young. She was probably 50. She put me up in that motel for three months. She had wow. a room out there. Wow. And it was so bad shape. It had one of those old metal showers, and I had to wear tennis shoes to keep from cutting my feet. And the roaches were so bad, seriously, I'd have to cover myself up with a sheet because you could hear them crawling on the sheet. Mm. But anyway, for three months, she, she put me up, and then she sent me home. She put me on a bus and sent me home. And then that's when I realized my wife, we dated all through school. I mean, we were schoolyard sweethearts. Oh, wow. And then I realized she had been through a divorce, and I had been through one. And I discovered she was around, and and uh, we got connected. And that's been 33 years ago. And, of course, we dated long before that and everything. But uh, I did not accept Christ until I met my wife. She was already a Christian. Mm. and uh, she she stayed strong beside me. She didn't turn away, and then I got saved, and it just got better and better, and I never knew. I never knew I was going to be a pastor. I never knew, and some people laugh. You know, some people can say I've been to seminary and everything. I didn't have that great choice in my life. At 2 o'clock in the morning one morning, and God is my witness. He's listening to me right now. Two o'clock in the morning, God called on me. And he said, I want you to be a preacher. I said, God, I don't know how. I don't know the Bible enough. Mm -hmm. I haven't been to church enough. I knew I'd gotten saved. <laughs> it's so funny. He said, you go and I'll supply Wow. And, you know, I went, and I was evangelist for years before I actually was ordained as a minister. And I I learned so much. 
It doesn't matter how much schooling you got. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how smart you are. The thing that you have to understand that the Bible says sincerely, ye must be born again. And to be born again, we've got to know what God's about. Mm -hmm. We've got to study it. Yeah. We've got to feel it. We don't just say, I know him. We've got to know of him. We've got to have a relation. It's like I tell people in our church, yes, we're Baptists, but you know what I tell them? We're not having a religion. We're having a relation. Yeah. And that's the most important thing in my life. And, yes, I have been at the bottom. I was never a drug addict or alcoholic. I just come home one night, and everything that I ever had was gone. Yeah. And it was two years later before she revealed where she was at. Mm. And we got a divorce, and she's dead and gone now. And, and you know, uh, but life, life can change tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. When I walked in that night, not, not even my neighbor walked in. He'd been knowing it'd been going on, <laughs> and she was threatening the kids. And I had to get over that. And to get over it, I lived as a homeless person. And I, I lived. And I just, I don't know if I ever told you about that. But I lived as a homeless person for a year, and the whole time, there was two or three times I could have been killed, Yeah. but God protected me and brought me to where I am now, mm -hmm. and I give him all the glory. That's great. Well, that's powerful. Love that. That's powerful, Pastor. I appreciate you sharing your story. I hope with us. I, I didn't speak out too much. But <laughs> no, no, no. We appreciate, you share, we appreciate you sharing your story with us. Yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah. And, and I think that there's a, there's a lot of power in understanding the, um, obedience in, in where you are now started from the obedience of just listening to the Lord. And ultimately right. that was a lot of what we, we talked about Sunday, which is just, you, you got to stay connected when you're connected right. to the Lord. He brings all the healthy things to that's you. Right. You don't have to go chasing them. And so that's, uh, that's encouraging. And, and I love him dearly. That. Yeah. And it's, hard, awesome. it's easy looking back to connect dots you know, in the moment, sometimes it's so it's hard. hard. You don't understand, like God, why are you, why are you, why are you doing this, quote unquote, or why, you know, why, why are you letting this happen? Why are you letting this happen? Else, yeah, you know, but it's, it's easy looking. You can look back and connect dots on even what God's doing, mm -hmm. and even like we talk about, even through through hard times. You know, yeah. what do you, what is God teaching you? What are you learning? Yeah. You know? Well, what did what did He do to Abraham and Isaac? Yeah. He wasn't going to let Isaac be killed, but he wanted Abraham to learn his strength, mm -hmm. what he could do, because he was going to give him plenty to do mm -hmm. after he'd done it. But he he needed Abraham to realize. It's just like when I taught you how to be a salesman. I wasn't going to be there forever. I did what I could do with you, but you had to do something too. Mm -hmm. And when God called on Abraham, Abraham said, he didn't say, well, God, this is my only son. I love him. Don't put me through this. Don't. He just said, okay. Mm -hmm. He just done it. He just went up on the mountain. He didn't ask any questions to the very moment that he raised the knife. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the angel said, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. And he brought him to that point so he could have that strength. Yeah. See, if he if he'd have fussed the whole way up there, <laughs> what would we accomplish? Yeah. You know right, what I mean? Right. If I'd have fussed when you called me and you said, come on here, if I'd have said, well, what's, what's this all about? And everything, I didn't care. Yeah. Right. Because you know what? The bottom line is I love Christ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even though I don't seriously don't have a smartphone, don't have all this, I love Christ. Yeah. yeah. And when the day comes that I draw my last breath on this earth and I draw my first breath in heaven, he's going to say, well done. That's right. My yeah. child. Well, I think it goes back to even your story, you know, with Abraham and Isaac. Yeah. You know, uh, one, the only thing Abraham had was a promise. Oh. You're you're gonna have a son. He's gonna be a blessing to nations. Your descendants, you know. Like so, he had a promise, and he knew how. I don't know how this is gonna go, but I know I got a promise, That's and right. that, and the promise we have is what waits for us in eternity. And so I I don't know how today's gonna go. I don't know how tomorrow is gonna go. I don't know what may come at me over the next you know however long. But what I know is there's a promise that waits for me, and God's ordaining my steps. And brother, that's journey. the way I take every day. That's it. Even coming here, I don't know who will be watching this, sure. who will say, hey, you know, it might not have been. Yes, I was a homeless person, whether they want to believe it or not. God had intentions so I could learn something. That's right. Just like he put Abraham through something, he put me through something. I wasn't even saved, but he was working on me right then. Yeah. He had he had a connection with me. 
And and for me to go that last mile, I was done. Mm-hmm. I was starving. Yeah. I'd lost 60 something pounds. I I know what it is to starve. I was starving. Mm. And I knocked on that lady's door and her being a Christian lady, she saved me. And she saved me because God had her there for a purpose. That's right? awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And then even some of that even like going back to Abraham, like it even leads to the next point. Like you're not you're not following your feelings. Yeah, no, right. you're like, staying connected. Sometimes your feelings, yeah, surely well, his sure, feelings have really been. <laughs> if, you know what would it really been? Your feelings we, would mess you up. Yeah, man. his feelings. He was he was miserable. Yeah. Knowing what he's about to have to do with his his son that they sure. prayed for, and and you know the the promise, and now yeah. the guy's asking him to do something. He even know. got up early, Justin. <laughs> he didn't lag around. And say, oh no, he got up early. He got him ready. Yeah, and he told the two men and went with. Him. He said, "We'll be back." Yeah, I mean, so his if he was listening to his feelings, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have done it. Wouldn't have never and, left. And that's something we, you know, that's something we kind of, you, you know, you know, I, I don't. I'm a logical thinker, right? right? So um, maybe it's part of my personality. I don't, I don't let my feelings dictate too much of my decisions, just because your feelings can lie to you. you. You wake up some days and you can feel like God's not close to you today. Well, that don't mean He's not. Yeah, you just maybe just feel feelings. like He's not. Yeah. right. So feel, feelings will lie to you. Um, but that's one of the, the the points of of like you said those those true statements of you know when when you're not following your feelings yeah you're you're on the right track to being ready and and you get to rest you get to rest in in God you get to rest in His grace right. you get to sit in that space and when you're not following your feelings you're anchored to the Lord then you get to rest and say you know what you're in control of this whole thing that, there you I'm go giving you it just to said you. it you're in control yeah and you know if we go back to the Bible where it says I will never leave you nor forsake you mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that during the middle of the night he went to sleep that doesn't mean that when you're in your worst times that he's going to leave you. Even in the Bible, it talks about when I'm old and gray, mm-hmm. he's going to still take care of me. He's not going to, you know, even though I may not can lift weights like I used to and do things, I can still pray sincerely. I can still worship God sincerely, and I can still preach the word through this mouth that he has gave me because of my heart, mm-hmm. which is his. That's it. That's it. And then you you mentioned at one point, you know, you were talking about even what you tell your your church and your congregation as far as it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. That's right. You know, and it's like one of the the statements is, you know, religion leads to resistance, but relationship leads to rest. Exactly. You Mm -hmm. know, we can just even rest in God and who he is and who he is to you and and, and your life and find that that, like supernatural rest and peace sometimes. Justin, and, and the thing I run into all the time, people say, what religion are you? I mean, I, I run into yeah. this all the time. If I meet someone, I say, what religion are you? I say, what does that matter? You show me in the Bible where it says i got to be a Baptist, Pentecostal, Catholic right. to get into heaven. No, it says you must be born again. Right. And that, I know that's repeating myself, but yeah. that's the bottom line. Christian. That's, that's what right. it is. That's there what you it go, is. Brother. You got it right <laughs> that's there. It. That's it. My, da- my dad always heart, told me. Not just saying it. Yeah, my dad always told me. He said, those labels don't matter much. He said, if you, if you go to hell, they're going to burn off. If you go to heaven, they're going to fall off. That's so right. <laughs> they don't mean much. So, <clears throat> but, but, and, and that's what's really cool, Pastor Ken. And I don't, I don't know. We, we really see it. Um, which is which is really cool, and I, I was having a conversation with uh, who was I talking? Chuck, um, mm-hmm. uh, the a guy we're working with right now. He, um, we were talking about. He was asking about the the churches in our city, and um, I was telling him that we, me, me and Brad, we have a pretty well connected group of just pastor friends, right? Yeah. That in the ministry, and some are senior pastors, some are just kind of um, you know on staff, associate pastors, whatever. But a lot a lot of friends in our city. And we're really been been working hard unintentionally. This isn't the goal, but that whole de- the denominational differences that kept so many even ministers from having relationships with exactly. each other is kind of going away. And mm-hmm. I think it's good. Yeah. I think it's good. And that doesn't mean you still can't be Baptist or Assembly got whatever your denomination is if you're in one. Yeah. But it's like for so long, I think it it's just the walls are coming down. The walls between are coming us. Yeah. Yeah. because we're me and Ken were talking in my office before we came on, and it's like you know we're we're all on the same page. That's right. There will be people who w- would walk into our church and not like the style of church we have, sure, but would love yours, yeah, and vice versa, yeah. Right. That's why it's all necessary. It's yeah. all needed, that's right? It. And it's like that. That's the cool part about having so many different churches in our city. Mm-hmm. You know, just think of this, a vision. Just think of every religion would go out the window and every relationship would come together as one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
what would we have? We've got a nation out there that's sort of in trouble right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, in all my life, and I'm talking to a lot of senior adults, they've never seen things so bad that's going on in the White House. It's hate. It's pure hate. That's what it comes from. And just think, if we as Christians, not as Baptist, Pentecostal, Catholic, Methodist, I'm talking about if we as Christians would come together, mm-hmm. what we could do, and, and not something. just and not just that. I mean, you know, there's a there's a term now, the nuns, n o n e s, just people that it's it's that are just don't want to associate. Not just Christianity though, they don't associate with any religion at all. Yeah, yeah. It, at, at all. Um, and that's what we're, and, but what we are learning, which is encouraging in that, that there's a generation of people, um, the millennials specifically, if you, you know, 38, 40 and younger right, right. that so many don't associate. Um, but what we're learning is they're not disinterested in Jesus. They've been disinterested in the institution of the church. You are right. And, and more people get run off from the church yeah. because of the church, not of God. That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. And and we were talking about that bef- before yeah. we be, we came on. And it's like, you know, and, and we, we kind of say things like, you know, it's a, it's a shame if someone comes to church looking for God and they only find us, exactly. you know, and, and, and we want to make sure that they're, they're, they're meeting God, even if it's through our people. Right. Yeah. But are we, are we being a smiling face? Are we being a exactly. wel- welcoming, you know, we, are we being the hands and feet and, yep. and truly letting God use us, letting, you know, and, and we don't want people to come to church look, needing a touch from God and only encounter us, That's right. you know, but you know, you, you, we're, we're learning that some, when you can, preach the true Jesus and who he really is to, to someone in their life. They're interested in that. It's, it's, that's been masked though for years of the institution of the church, not preaching the gospel and letting tradition dictate things and not the gospel and things like that, you know, and it's, it's, it's encouraging with a generation of people who think they want nothing to do with church when really they are seeking something. You know, Justin, you just said the word tradition. A lot of people try to run a church because it's man-made laws. Right. Mm-hmm. It's tradition, but we don't do this here. You know, when I, I first, I was actually raised Pentecostal. and I didn't know that. I remember you yeah, talking. Yeah, and, and I ended up Baptist. Anyway, uh, when I first started in the Southern Baptist, well, the things that Southern Baptist was taught was to do this. Yeah. Just sit still. Be prim and proper. Right. Never amen or hallelujah or, or no emotions. or anything. And when I first started that church over, I said, look, folks, y'all going to have to change or we're going to have to put a reef on the door. <laughs> I said, because you look like you die. Now people come there. And Justin has been there. Yeah. And we'll raise our hands or whatever. And it's not they, it's not because you got to. Some don't. It don't mean they don't love yeah, the Lord. That's right. But I want your feelings of loving Christ to show. If it shows you to raise your hands or say amen yeah. or just to sit there, you're not wrong if you sit there. But don't sit there because of tradition. Yeah. That's right. Genuine don't expression. Let That's genuine right. expression That's come right. into your life. That's right. And when you let God have your heart, mm-hmm. he's going to change you. That's it. So um, we've, we've walked through the message, but we got a question All based right. on our conversation. We got a question from a guy named Ron. Okay. Um, I'm not, I, we, we don't know Ron. Uh, Ron lives in Eastern Uganda as a mm-hmm. um, missionary, mm-hmm. which is, which is interesting. But he, he said, this is a good place for me to ask a question. And uh, he said, how do you break those walls? You mentioned the walls of the denominations. And then he goes yep. on to say, um, they, they live in Uganda as missionaries and see pastors are afraid to even talk to each other. We will even tell their congregation, don't go there or here. How do I, beyond what I am doing, reach out to build relationships and break those walls? Man, that's a great question. I think, yeah, I, my, and Pastor Ken, feel, feel free to jump in. I, I think that uh, the first thing is we have to tear down the idea that any of these people belong to us. The people. The people in our churches belong to us. That's right. I I think, honestly, my experience, even through my father, who pastored for 30-something years, and and now me, um, the the big problem is we don't want someone taking our sheep. That's that seems to be the common thing, and and when you when you set into the realization, number one, none of these people belong to us. Right, the, God has sent them to this house, and it could be just for a season. He may send them somewhere else. Exactly, and we're You're just right. we're just supposed to steward the people that God has put in our house and pastor them well and faithfully serve them as pastors. Um, when we realize that, it takes the ownership aspect away, and therefore, I can sit down with 
with with pastor here and 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 not worry about if someone might see this that goes to my church and want to go look at his church and i know those fears don't enter my mind because they're not my those people don't belong to me um i i've i serve in our church to pastor them and so i take the responsibility to pastor them but they don't belong to me you're right on the money and so if they decide that they they decide or, or the lord leads them to go look somewhere else out of another house um you know then then that's okay we, well, you're, you're just right on the money because i'm gonna tell you something we don't own anybody that's it God owns all of us, really. He, yeah. he paid the price, paid in full, it says. And we've got to understand, and I've seen this a lot of times. People come and go. I have pastors say they come in the front door and they go out the back as fast. Well, the ones that God intends for you to keep That's and it. do something with, do something with them. Mm-hmm. The ones that need to go to somewhere else. I mean, I love for Justin to come and stay at our church, but it wasn't for him because look where he's went, you know. Sure. And, you know, I'm not ashamed to say, hey, Justin, how you doing? Because he's not going to our church. Or if you were going to our church and I met you later on, you are going to another church. I'm not going to say, well, you left us. That's yeah, not the way it is. That's not the way you it's can't go. worry yourself to death because if you do, that's what you'll do. You'll worry yourself to death. Well, yeah. it, and I would say to Ron, too, is one thing that's important. And and being in Uganda, the, Uganda, there's there's definitely some probably cultural differences, surely. too. Sure, yeah, um, surely. And, 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 and one of the things that we didn't say in that, Ron, is um, a lot of that has taken years to build, and a lot of it is – a. a a younger crowd coming in, you know, yeah. we have, we have several transitions in our church, that in was, our city. That was you know, huge. He, I know. Yeah. Yeah. He took over as lead pastor from his dad, uh, Liberty church, blue angel with pastor Josh Lipscomb. That was the transition. The majority, the majority of the pastors we have relationships with our fathers were pastors. And, and I will, I'll say this here's, here, if I could give you some encouragement, this would be it. Number one, because you can, you can take that approach, but it doesn't mean other pastors are going to take that approach right, as right, far as really people sure. not belonging yeah. to you. So my my biggest encouragement to you would be don't despise small beginnings. No. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So so if it's just you and one other pastor that you can start building that relationship with, you may not be able to get ten or twelve or sixteen in a room. Um, what I can tell you is, twenty five years ago, my dad and two other pastors were the only ones that would sit in a room together. That was it. My dad and two other pastors they were the only two that would sit in the room. They invited a hundred, only three showed up, um, and that. That started something, but God honored that. And over time, he did a work on hardened hearts of other pastors and brought them in. Exactly. And what we see today is actually the manifestation of something that started 25 years ago. And I think the greatest visions that God gives us um, should outlive us. We should and never see the culmination of the things that God puts on our heart. We should just see the beginning of the culmina- of the things that God puts on our heart. Um, and so my encouragement would be, if it's just you and one other, do that. But don't despise what you're going to start because God will use that as a catalyst for what He ultimately wants to fulfill. And some of it is just like it's just like if you met someone if you if you're not pastors, right? You meet someone uh, at, in the line at Walmart. One's a Baptist, one's a Pentecostal, right? Don't start the conversation with the things you disagree on. Find the common ground. Right. <laughs> you know, you both don't believe in Jesus sure. as Lord and Savior. And, right. and all, like, you both believe the gospel. Those other, those secondary type things. And, and it's the same with pastors. Like, you know, Ken, Ken's a Baptist pastor in the SBC in a denomination. We're non-denominational. Um theologically we, we have a lot of the, the, the same differences um, but we find the common ground with, with the group of pastors right we find what we do agree on and we all acknowledge that we're not in competition with each other exactly we're about building the kingdom and in Pensacola right now you know there is there are people getting saved every week in churches all over the city and we all celebrate that together that's what we're, we're supposed to the, celebrate the mission's bigger than one church you know the mission is bigger so we're not in competition um and, and we celebrate the wins with each other. When people right. get saved in, in Pastor Ken's church, we can celebrate that because we expand the kingdom. So um, I hope that answers your question, Ron. I know there may be some cultural differences, but like like Brad said, man, start 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 small. Um, we tell our people in our church that small groups are important. Maybe it's a uh, you know small groups is the word we use. Maybe it's Bible um, Bible studies or Sunday, Sunday school, school whatever. or whatever whatever it is. We feel that's important for our congregation. I think it's important for pastors as well um, to have a group of people that they can speak to and open up with that's not 
their congregation and their That's church. Right. Yeah. Who, who can you be vulnerable? Who can you take your mask off with? Who can you be yeah. vulnerable with? And the cool thing about pastors is we all know what we all go through, you know? So I can, yeah. I can share with Brad. Um, I can share with, pa- I can call pastor Ken and say, you know, I'm having to struggle with this. I need you to pray for me and not feel like that it's someone in my church that would maybe think less of me or right. uh, wonder like, why is he struggling with that? I can just be, re- be real. Just, we all, we all need that. So yeah. That's yeah. Great, great point. Well, uh, guys, we appreciate y'all tuning in with us. Uh, Justin and pastor, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank yes, you for thank joining you us. So I really enjoyed it. And sure so did. Justin, tell so me where they can find more about the church. You can find us on, uh, online transformationchurch.com or we're on Instagram and Facebook at transformation Pensacola. Uh, and if you're looking for, if you're in Pensacola, want to check out Ken's Church, Ferry Pass Baptist Church, the corner of Davis Highway and Copter Road. 9270 North Davis. 9270 North Davis. What time do you have church on Sunday? We have church at 11 o'clock and uh, 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. And every time the doors is open, we preach Sunday morning, Sunday night. I keep hearing these churches say, we don't do no more Sunday night service and everything. That's okay. But if they need a church to go to to replace it, come to mine. Yeah. And then come there to then come back to their church on Sunday morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. I love it. I love but it. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll, uh, we'll catch you next week for another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast. See you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Transformation Church weekly follow-up podcast. It would mean so much to us if you would subscribe, like, and review on iTunes. You get double points if you show us love by sharing it with your friends. Don't forget, you can follow Pastor Justin and Pastor Brad on Instagram and Twitter at Justin Oswald underscore and at Brad Livingston underscore. You can tweet them your questions and comments or email them to us at followup at transformationchurch.com. For more info on Transformation Church, visit us online at transformationchurch.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. We'll be here next week where we will help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us.